Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 47. On this episode, I'm joined with Brandon Tamley of Quality Implement in Mundy, Texas. Uh, Brandon and I are going to discuss the first quarter of the year, the current condition of the wheat crop, and what he sees happening uh, going through the rest of the year. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Casey. I appreciate you having me on. Well, before we get started, uh, give me a little background on yourself and uh, Quality Implement. Okay, sure. Um, I uh, am our used um, marketing uh, manager, and um, I uh, work for Quality Implement. Uh, Quality Implement is a nine-store dealership group. Um, we have one store in southern Oklahoma and then eight stores in Texas. And really, our, our AOR starts in southern Oklahoma and goes to central Texas. Uh, our most southern store is in Brady, Texas, right really at the, the central heartbeat of Texas. Uh, my background uh, really isn't in agriculture. Uh, it's more in, uh, has been in uh, marketing and sales, uh, mainly in medical device. Uh, I did grow up uh, in agricultural community and been around it most of my life. Uh, had the opportunity to come to work for Quality Implement just a little over a year ago and still learning the ropes, but definitely enjoy um, joy, joy working in the industry and uh, kind of a fun time to try to figure out some of the challenges that we're being faced with well you have plenty of challenges to figure out so there's no lack of lack of fun <laughs> all right so no matter what i've read or who i've talked to uh, whether you're in kansas texas oklahoma wherever if you're in the wheat belt you're in a drought so talk to me about the state of your wheat heart your, the state of your wheat crop and and how that's affecting your business sure um so uh, early September, um, you know, when we first got the wheat in the ground, it, we got a really good stand, um, and, and there was a lot of optimism. Um, our, our first issue, though, was we got hit really hard with army worms. Um, just uh, it was kind of a warm, humid, um, perfect environment at, at that point um, for army worms, and it really decimated the crop that we had in the ground. Um, most guys ended up resowing. Um, and uh, really, at that point, since we hadn't had any rain, so it's it's really really pretty poor crop, um, and uh, just the dry conditions. We've had some pretty hard freezes as well for for really and where we are that are kind of extreme condition. Um, we've had some temperatures down to zero, and, and the dryness uh, is really is really put a hit on the wheat crop this year. And and I don't really see at this point. They're going to be much of any harvest. Um, you know, if we get some late rains, um, guys may may look to try to make some hay out of it. Um, but at this point, any wheat that we have in the ground, uh, they're trying to graze and supplement with hay at this at this point. So the last USDA report that came out said that there was another 1.3 million acres of wheat planted than there was last year. Obviously, that that wasn't because of the price. It had probably a lot to do with grazing cattle on it and and you know supplementing uh feed that way so how are your your ranchers and your and your cattle operators how are they um how are they handling the lack of wheat that they're not that they don't have to graze right now sure it's it's been really really tough and i can personally test with this um but uh mainly they're supplementing with hay at this point um we had a really wet spring, which was good for us. It was good for our cotton crop, but also good for our hay. And there, there's a pretty good supply of uh, coastal hay right now. Um, 
but I can tell you it's getting hit pretty hard. Um, and that, um, you know, the prices of that hay, um, just uh, just over the last six weeks or so, I've personally seen about a 20% increase in the price of hay. And, and um, the supply is starting to get stressed pretty hard because of the demand. So I think it, as it continues, um, you know, w- without any moisture, it, it's going to get tighter and tighter. Um, so it'll kind of be a big game to see if if they can feed out long enough to, to hold off to get the cattle to market or if we get any rain to help try to supplement. So how is this current situation that you're having with, with the wheat crop and, and, and the uh, the situation that, that, you, that you see yourself in right here? How are your customers responding to that and, and what are you hearing from them as far as as maybe updating equipment might go? Sure. I think that there's, um, you know, we, we had a really positive outlook going into the last quarter of last year just because we had a really strong cotton crop. Um, and, and, you know, as a dealership group, we were really optimistic going into 2018. Uh, but because of just the lack of moisture and, and the hardship that it's having on our wheat crop, we've really seen a lot of hesitation that we weren't really forecasting. Um, and, you know, really for, especially on our use side, um, the four-wheel drives, the air seeders, combines, I mean, that market's really dried up to pretty much being non-existent. Um, so, you know, as a dealership group, we're, we're really trying to strategize of, you know, how, how can we either, one, incentivize our customers to, to buy in an uncertain market, or two, you know, looking for secondary sources to potentially move those four-wheel drives and air seeders and, and, and combines so they don't get to a point to where, you know, lot rot sets in and we can't get rid of them. Yeah, lot rot is a, it's a bad thing, man. That, yeah, will, that will hurt worse than anything else that you can. Killer. Oh, it's awful. Totally awful. Uh, how, is, how is the current situation that you have right now, how is that affecting the, the auction market? There's a, there's a few auction houses down there that uh, have monthly or, you know, quarterly uh, auctions and stuff like that. So uh, are you seeing a, a spike in in auction activity or is it the, is it pretty much the same across the board where there's not as much interest in buying equipment at any price? I think, um, you know, it, it's probably pretty static. I would say that we've seen an uptick, um, you know, in, in what I would say the three to five-year-old higher hour, maybe a little rougher condition four-wheel drives um, where the guys, you know, primarily the, the our, our farmers, our customers, you know, aren't trading that equipment in, um, but they're trying to just liquidate it to get cash flow um, either to support their operations or to buy, you know, more of a row crop type equipment. Um, so I think that there's a, there's a, a little bit of an uptick in the auction markets, um, but nothing that I would say is substantial at this point. So coming up here, uh, I think it's maybe Wednesday next week, Tuesday next week, there's a, a fairly large auction going to take place over at uh, BE Implement, and that's about mm-hmm. a couple hundred miles from you, roughly. Um, <clears throat> correct. So how, you know, how, how do you think that is going to play out in your marketplace and what do you think the overall outcome of that that's going to be? Because I'm sure yeah, they're in a similar situation, right? I mean, they're probably in a similar situation. Yeah. You are, right? 
Well, yeah, it's a, it's actually, um, you know, a one dealership group selling to another and they're going to be liquidating the assets of, of the group and in that, in that acquisition. Um, you know, I think that it's interesting just as a dealership group, we were having a discussion about that the other day. And, you know, I think that it potentially could impact, um, you know, some of our sales where, you know, our customers, you know, make a pickup, especially on the row crop tractor side, um, you know, some row crop tractors that we may not even have an opportunity to be a player in because, you know, the concept of, well, it's at an auction, I can buy it cheaper than what I can from the dealership group. So, you know, we're, we're, we'll definitely probably have a, um, have a presence in the auction and, and we may try to pick up some equipment too, but, you know, our, our hope is, is that we don't lose some potential sales from the deal. Um, just the customers shopping around and doing some impulse buying. Yeah. That's, I'm going to watch that auction too. Uh, there was a fair amount of row crops on there, smaller eight R's and stuff like that. Um, so I think there's going to be some, there could be some opportunity there, I think for, to go to get some stuff picked up. So I'm looking forward to that deal. And, and I'm sure that, um, I'm watching more from a spectator sport than, than you are. It's going to be a, it could be a better for your area. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll definitely be interesting to see how, how it plays out and what the equipment, you know, brings. Cause you kind of get a real sense of, you know, a, a pulse of what the buyer's willing to do in that type of situation. Yeah. 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 It'll be an interesting one to watch. Cause again, you know, I'm interested in it to watch it play out just because of the, of the situation that they're in. Um, you know, you start looking at drought situations like this and we are, you know, planting season isn't all that far away. Um, you know, so it's, sure. you know, your neck the woods, you guys start planting in March. We'll start in, in late March. Late March. So it's not, that's not that terrible far away. You're 65 days away from that, you know, so it's going to be, uh, it'll be a, a, a definite, you know, thing to keep your eye on. So, Let's rewind a little bit. Let's talk about the last quarter of 2017 and, and how that worked for you guys. Um, auction markets were heavy and hot. And, and like you said, you had some pretty good optimism that last quarter with, uh, with the conditions that you had. And then also seemed to be like a fair amount of activity out there. So talk to me about what you saw happen in your area that last quarter of the year and, and, and how that really worked out for your dealership. Sure. Yeah, we, uh, for the last quarter of 2017, we had a, a really a, a tremendous amount of optimism going into 2018. Uh, we had some banner copper, cotton crops. Um, you know, I, I think I'd heard um, numbers of the best crops in 40 years. Um, and we had a um, really strong um, cotton stripper and picker EOPs um, and sprayer EOPs and planters EOPs. Um, you know, and, and most of the trades on, on the EOPs we've already have sold. So um, really, really strong EOPs for us there. And, you know, we, we were really, really excited going into 2018 just because we had a, we had a pretty good pickup at the end of the year um, and, and just those categories. And we thought that it was going to carry over um, pretty strong into 2018. There's still a lot of interest, um, you know, in cotton equipment uh, planters are still moving pretty strong um, strippers um, are still still pretty strong sprayers have kind of settled down a little bit um, the demand doesn't seem quite as hot there um, you know in row crop tractors it's kind of 
kind of been hit or miss. We'll, we'll have a little bit of a, a a spike where the demand seems like it's it's picking up and, and things are looking good, and then it just completely cools off. So we're we're still trying to get our pulse on that and seeing you know trying to work with our customers to see you know really what 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 they need, what they want, how we can incentivize them, um, you know, to, to continue on. I think that just the drought really has put a put a halt on guys looking to, to spend any money right now until they see really what happens. Yeah, it, it's amazing how how lack of rain will, will shut things down, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's amazing how, I mean, obviously it takes water to grow stuff, but it's just it goes from being like you said so robust and so strong and i mean everything's gonna be great to now we're and things got dry and now it's just like quiet you know it's just crickets out there so yeah it's a it's amazing how that works so um i think it'll be interesting too just to see i mean we still have a lot of cotton in the field waiting to be ginned yeah um so i think it, it's gonna kind of depend on how cotton prices hold and how quickly the gins get through the cotton and and you know, at the end of the day, how much money they made off their cotton crop that, you know, I think even with, with the drought conditions, there may be some guys that, you know, have some extra income that they haven't had in the last couple of years that, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we'll do some things on row crops. Um, time will tell though. Well, that's, you. well, this probably, this situation that you're in now probably couldn't have been, could have, could have happened in, in a, it's always bad when it happens, but it couldn't have happened probably at a better time because cotton prices have really shot up. I mean, you're looking at, they're up yeah. in the seventies now. So, you know, guys compared to what they've been in the last couple of years, cotton prices have really rebounded compared to the other crops. That's right. It's kind of a saving grace right now. I mean, if, if cotton prices were bad and the cotton crop was bad, you know, we'd, we'd really be in a bad situation, but it, it's, it's kind of leveled things out and it's not near as bad as it could be. Yeah. So, okay. So now let's take a look at, at what you see happening now moving through um, like the first, you know, first half of the year moving into plant season. So talk about your, um, your planter and, and air seeder early order programs from last year. And that's just going to start, start hitting the ground now. So how are you going to start combating, um, you know, those used pieces coming in and how those things are looking. So, how are you going to start looking at your used equipment coming in and off of those those trades from last year, uh, those EOPs from last year, and and how are you going to start uh, marketing those pieces of equipment? Sure, um, we'll start uh, with the planter EOP. Um, you know, we were really really fortunate to have a really strong planter EOP, um, and just because of the the cotton crop that it was, there was really uh, a, a very high demand even for our used planners so we we had actually we're standing in a, a really good shape um i would say probably 90 percent of our used planners coming in were actually pre-sold um so we're not going to have much inventory of planners at all um you know we're, we're anticipating uh, a pretty significant uptick in, in cotton acres planted this next year so we're, we're pretty optimistic on planners um, being able to move those pieces. You know, we, we got our salesmen out, you know, contacting customers today. And, you know, our, our hope and our intent is, is we have them all sold before they get on the yard. 
That's a great plan. That's that's the uh, best way <laughs> to do it, man. If you can pre-sell that stuff before it gets in, it always makes a big difference in how you're on how. Oh, you're absolutely, absolutely. And as far as air seeders go, we really didn't we didn't have a any much of any of a EOP on air seeders. Yeah. Um, just because the the wheat wheat crop has been really poor um, the last couple of years. Um, you know, we 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 did a couple of larger deals with, with some some customers, um, but um, we do have a couple coming in, and and it's a challenge for us. Um, you know, we, we really don't don't know exactly how to market those right now, just because the wheat conditions that they're what it is. Um, you know, I think that more than likely we'll probably try to to market those outside AOR and, and, and beat the bushes maybe with some other dealership groups and and just see how we can can move those out of you know kind of non-conventional means right. so with the situation that you're in and, and where you're at of course we talked about the uh the be implement auction coming up here next week what how do you feel the auction market is is working for you guys right now we're talking i'm not talking about just in your area but i'm talking about nationwide yet i feel like there's a lot of more stability in the marketplace than there's been in the past and i feel like there's uh, a leveling out you know i'm not surprised or shocked by by uh overall auction prices when i when i see them come by so as you watch the auction market and you see what happens out there what's your what's your response to what you've seen happen in the mar auction market today I mean, I think I would agree with you. I think there's there's some stabilization happening. I think the the biggest challenge for us as a dealership group is, you know, the 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 transparency of the auction market and the auction prices and what equipment's bringing on the auction markets. Um, you know, especially when we're looking for, you know, our our not even our second buyer, but maybe our third and fourth buyer on some of the older aged equipment. Um, you know historically it's it's been easier to market equipment to those individuals but because of um just the the number of auctions that are taking place and the transparency of the sell price that auctions have today with the internet and and the, those postings being posted i think the the challenge for us just from a, a overall auction market is is really that that third and fourth buyer just doesn't really exist much anymore. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I never really give that much thought, but that's a that's a great point where they are. I I, I kind of feel the same thing of what you're saying there too. That it seems like the auction markets are getting to be a bigger draw for, like you said, that that third fourth buyer. It seems like they're. I don't know why that is. Maybe maybe it has something to do with the fact of of how they're buying equipment and and the interaction they have at the auction. But I, w I would agree with you. It feels like that that older stuff, the you know, it's hard to crazy to say this, but thirteen, fourteen model stuff, twelve and older sure. stuff. That stuff really seems like what you see at auctions right now that are selling. I would, they're the ones that are that are having the most draw. If you start if you would go back and look at those machines right. and you start looking at how many bidders were actually bidding on it, they might not have been bidding a lot, but there were, there were several builder, several bidders bidding on on that piece of equipment. Yeah, and I think that you know the challenge for us when we when we watch those auctions and and watch what those pieces of equipment are bringing, you know, at times they're they're bringing higher than what we're we're actually marketing similar pieces of equipment, and oh, you know it's it's how do we get 
our salesmen or our pieces of equipment in front of those buyers so they're they're not tempted to buy you know at the auction i think is is a challenge as a group that that we're having is you know how do how do we make that connection because i think that there's you know the the overall opinion that you know if, if i'm in the market for that type of a piece of equipment you know the auction may be my best route and you know, we've seen time and again, especially probably in the last six months, where you know we, we've had a very similar spec piece of equipment, age and hour wise, um, that the auction value actually brought was higher than what we've had it retailed. Um, you know, and it's like, man, you know, how do how do we how do we bridge that gap? Yeah, yeah, where I'm I'm right there with you. There's some of that stuff that sells, and I watch it go across the line and and. Our piece of equipment that we have is is uh, you know not that far away from what it brought at the auction, and you know we at least we I feel like we have a lot more to offer than what an auction does. So it just it I don't know it's one of those things that I, I look at a lot and and want to, trying to figure out the right answer. You know, I, I, like you said, <laughs> how to move things forward. Sure, when you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do. It. <laughs> Okay, Casey, where do you where do you think things are headed? Well, I I watch you know a lot of different things and, and read a lot of different stuff and, and what I I think the first quarter I, I feel like we have some pretty good momentum. We're in a pretty good spot. We're we're we've got lots of uh, snow on the ground right now, so our moisture is good. But we could always use some more than what we've got. It's supposed to snow again this uh, this weekend, so and that's supposed to pretty much reach across our AOR, I think, for the most part. Um, I feel like the auction market is stabilized quite a bit, and I think that there's going to be a reflection in that in, in the retail marketplace. I think we're going to see a very similar 2018 that we saw in 2017. I don't think there's going to be a lot of difference between the two. The only thing I worry about um, long-term is is the condition of balance sheets and how guys are, are, are positioned um, after going through roughly five years now of, of a downturn, you know, what's their cash situation like, how does that all play into what their decision-making processes are going to be um, moving into, uh, you know, really the second quarter of the year is, is when we really start seeing that activity of what guys are going to do and what aren't going to do, because that's when the EOPs open up, you know, you have planners and, you know, I guess a till GOP opens up here pretty quick, but, you know, you're going to be looking at planners and sprayers and, and air seeders and those, and those, you know, that's what really starts things off. Starts things off, and how that all plays in and what that looks like. I feel like our, I feel like our planner situation is going to be pretty good. Um, we sold like like you were talking about. We just had a, a pretty good run on our planners uh, through EOP last year, and I feel like the bulk of the stuff that we that we took in on trade is is uh, pre sold already. So we've been out. We bought a few uh, planners here and there. Um, uh, different outlets that we bought some stuff from. So, you know, I, I think that we're going to continue and see a, a, a stronger, a stronger, steadier marketplace. Um, similar to what we saw in 17. I mean, I don't feel like we're going to be way up or way down or anything like that, but I think we're going to be somewhere right there in the middle. Um, it will be interesting to see what happens with the wheat market and how that drives, drives price uh, going through this spring, if it's going to start coming, when they start doing the wheat tour and, and they start coming out with a, a national average of in the twenties or something like that, because nobody has any wheat. I mean, that's going to, that that's going to really boost the, the price of, of wheat. Now I say that, but there's such a sure. world supply. Um, how that affects the overall marketplace is going to be 
pretty pretty dynamic. So, um, and then you look at what's happened in Brazil and, South, and down in South America. They're in a they're in a very similar situation when it comes to to drought. I mean, they've they haven't planted the corn that they needed to plant. They haven't planted the soybeans that they needed to plant just because of there's no no moisture to plant into. So. This could be, uh, we could start seeing some rallies in, in some stuff, but again, world supply is still pretty high. So I, I'm not, I'm not pessimistic by any means, but I'm not overly optimistic either. I feel like it's going to be very similar to what you see happening. The late model low hour stuff, I think it's going to continue to drive the marketplace. And like I've said before, I don't think it's going to be because guys want to trade but because they have to and the cash flow situations they're in when it comes to the repair costs that they're going to have to make on some of these machines because and you tell me here but the machines that i'm looking at are are higher out and have more hours on them on a per year basis than i've seen in the past you see something similar down your area no oh, absolutely i mean and, and i think there's a there's definitely be a minute been more of a tendency to run equipment you know a year or 18 months longer than the historical trade cycle has been just from a cash flow perspective yeah especially when it comes to repairs you know some of these guys have have you know i've used a term duct tape and bailey wire to, to keep things running you know, to keep things running but right but now they're kind of at the point now where there's they're going to have some significant reconditioning costs and that's where I think uh, from the use side of the business that we need to be knowing what's going on in our shops and understanding what that looks like. And, you know, we need to be doing what's helping our customers understand what's best for them. And that in some cases that might not be putting $30,000 in, uh, you know, a $70,000 combine or, you know, thinking 15 grand into a $60,000 tractor needs a new engine or transmission or whatever it might be. It's probably better use for that money. And, you know, for example, in the combine scenario, if you put twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars down on on the combine, you, you've made a pretty good down payment on a on a hundred or hundred twenty-five thousand dollars piece of equipment. So, and especially if that's an upgrade for you, I mean, the, all the different stuff that goes into that. Sure. So I think there's probably there's some there's some avenues there, but again, we've got to be in front of our customers, understanding their needs, and and making sure that we help help as much as we can with whatever their their cash flow situation is and understanding that from a from a customer's perspective sure on some of those higher hour machines that you're getting in and, and that the you know the rubber is down around you know the the 20 to 30 percent range i mean as a group how, how are you all handling that from a trade perspective and then also just from a a remarketing perspective. I mean, I think that's that's a challenge. One of the challenges we're having, just because you know the cost of tires, um, you know, can can really be pretty substantial and make a, a a big impact on the deal, either from the trade trade side or from the resale side. Yeah, I mean, tires are such a uh, an important part of a piece of equipment. It's more, I think, I, I put tires right up there with with any other part of the machine, major part of the machine, whether it's a sure. engine transmission, whatever it might be. So that's the first thing I look at when I look at a, especially like a four wheel drive. I mean, you're, you're talking, mm -hmm. depending on the brand of tire and all that stuff, it could be twenty to forty thousand dollars to completely retire a, a four wheel drive tractor. Right. And that that is a uh, 
That is definitely something that you have. That's something that you have to pay attention to because if it's not, you, it'll, it'll wipe you out. So from what I'm doing when I look at that is I take that into consideration and I look at it. If, on a four-wheel drive, if it's got 20, 30% tires on it, they have to be replaced. You know what I mean? And, and because you're going to, you don't have the traction that you, that you need to get around. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a case by case scenario and yeah. get away with. Are you seeing a higher instance of those higher characters coming in with just lower percentage of tires? I mean, it seems like for our group, I would say within the last six months, I mean, just the number, and it probably ties back to cash flow, but just the number of tractors that are coming in with the tires, you know, at the, the 20 to 30% tread life, it, it, I mean, it seems like nine out of 10 that we look at, you're being faced with that here recently. Yeah, I don't, the tire issue for us isn't probably like you're describing it for us. It's not necessarily that, that way, that in that situation for us right now. More more okay. than anything, it's probably the older equipment that we're looking at that has tire issues. I'm talking mm -hmm. like 25 year old stuff, where they right. spare tractor or whatever it is, or you know that kind of thing, and it's finally to the point now where they need to replace the tires, and then now they want to trade it in, and <laughs> how, that, how that affects sure. it. You know what I mean? So the newer stuff that we have coming in, yeah, some of these eight R's that we see coming in that are you know 2000. 12 or, or you know that 10 to 2015 that might have you know 2500 to 5000 hours on it some of that stuff is going to have some tire situations that they're going to need to be addressed um but for the most part it feels like our our our, our tire situation is pretty good what we run into more than on anything because of the amount of row crop that we do especially in the, our northern part of our territory is stubble damage when they get that many Sure. hours on them so we're starting to look at some tires that have some significant stubble damage that still have tread life on them you know and they might be 40 percent tires uh 50 tires but the tread uh is so chewed up from stubble damage that that's something that we're going to have to start to address uh the more that we really go down the line there sure makes sense yeah so well man i think we've covered it for today um any last thoughts you want to pass out to the world before we close it down? I don't think so, man. I appreciate having me on. I really enjoyed it and be happy to do it anytime. All right, man. Well, thanks, Brandon. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Brandon for being a guest on this episode. Remember, if you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC now is a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review at your favorite podcasting platform, or you can shop Amazon through Amazon Click-Through at Moving Iron LLC. It won't cost you anything, and you'll still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting this podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.